0: Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. I'm currently on a book tour around the United States and hope to see you. Find the schedule of my events at warisalie.org. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Margaret Kimberly. She writes at freedomwriter.blogspot.com and at blackagendareport.com, where she is editor and senior columnist. She is also on the administrative committee of UNAC, the United National Anti-War Coalition. Margaret, Kimberly, welcome to Talk Nation Radio.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I I have loved uh, Black Agenda Report since uh, it came into existence and its predecessor site before that. How is Glenn Ford doing these days?
1: He's doing fine. We're busy. We're always busy, uh, especially in an election year. A lot going on, but uh, we we love what we do.
0: Well, that's good, and a lot of us love what you do. And uh, I loved uh, an article you wrote recently, uh, and I uh, very much agreed with it, though it made some points I hadn't thought of, and that is uh, an article you wrote called The Democrats and the SCOTUS Scam, the Supreme Court Scam. Uh, Tell us what that was about.
1: Well, you know, it's... Uh, Every time uh, those of us who are on the left express any dissatisfaction with uh, the Democrats or with the Democratic presidential candidate, the thing that keeps us in line is the federal judiciary and the president's ability to make these... uh, I mean, it is very important, these lifetime appointments to uh, various federal courts and to the Supreme Court, obviously, too. But, um, you know, this uh, latest choice, with um, uh, Scalia's sudden uh, unexpected death and uh, the opportunity for a a Democratic president to really have a better court that people who call themselves leftists or liberals or progressives or wherever people fall on that line, to have the kind of court we want and the the kind of court that uh, keeps uh, many people going back to the Democrats despite, uh, despite dissatisfaction on so many issues. But, first of all, the Republicans immediately said they weren't going to consider anybody. They decided to take a chance and hope for a Republican victory in January and then uh, uh, get the 5-4 to court that they want. But Obama chooses. He has nominated Judge Merrick Garland, who he appointed to the D.C. Circuit Court. But Garland is a conservative. Um, not on the Scalia-Clarence Thomas level, but uh, more conservative than I think most Democrats want, definitely more so than I want. He has, uh, in the past, he was uh, among the uh, just judges who ruled that prisoners at Guantanamo had no rights. Um, his uh, uh, decisions uh, in, uh, involving criminal cases, he has decided against criminal decisions defendants two-thirds of the time. So he, you know, and people who uh, follow business cases say he is very much pro-business in his decisions. So it's, um, you know, it's a, a litany of, of things that I don't like, um, but this is how we're always kept in line, and it's already begun. We have, to, we have to stick with Democrats no matter what, because the Republicans are so terrible. And the Republicans are terrible. I'm not going to argue in, in favor of of the Republican, but uh, I, it's a losing game also to just keep sticking with the democrats no matter what um, as, as a result of many other issues in, in foreign policy domestic policy I am of the mind that we need to um, just dump the democrats I have voted green in the, for uh, presidential candidates the last few elections and I'm going to do so again and uh, I'm urging people to make a break with the past, to take that chance. And it's not insignificant. I'm, I'm not saying um, that uh, it is an easy thing to do, and it's something that requires, I think, debate, reason, debate, but not just this, this fear that keeps us allied with people who never end up doing what we want them to do.
0: It, it does seem that when you get into this uh, lesser evil argument uh, around mm-hmm. voting that the Supreme Court nominations are absolutely central and and yeah. somebody is going to scream Supreme Court Supreme Court at you just as surely as bringing up war and peace they're going to shout World War Two at you and, yeah. uh, and yet I think President Obama floated yeah. at least one other right wing Republican name prior to this one uh, and, and the the candidate took himself out of the running, uh, and, and in the case of Merrick Garland, I, I believe George W. Bush was actually looking at nominating him as well. Um, so it's it, it's you have to squint pretty hard to see the distinction here. But I guess the argument is just always there could be somebody even worse. Uh, there yeah, could be a I, r-
1: you know, I, I think too. We, we have to keep in mind that, yes, there can be somebody worse. There could be, you know, Scalia could still be alive. There was a case today um, about uh, unions in California, which pretty much would have gutted uh, uh, the ability of unions to collect dues and have been an, would have been another blow um, uh, against uh, labor organizing. But the court deadlocked four to four with, <laughs> you know, after Scalia's death. So it does show you how important it is, but I think we need to stop focusing uh, so much on electoral politics at all. We've had our greatest changes in this country outside of the electoral process. Uh, In the the 60s, in the early 70s, during the uh, civil rights movement, the black liberation struggle, however you want to call it, uh, black people experienced their greatest gains, but most of us couldn't even vote. Most black people lived <laughs> in the South and couldn't vote at all. And yet this uh, overpowering, this mass action that was constant, that was unrelenting year after year, that changed things for, for millions of people for the better. We would not have had the Voting Rights Act, although they've gutted that now, but we would not have had the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. We wouldn't have Medicaid. We wouldn't have Medicare. We would not have uh, any on the uh, programs, the, you know, food stamps. I could go on and on.
0: Um well, I think that. it's an incredibly important point that uh, is very, very hard to communicate to people who hear nothing but "you are powerless and all you can do is vote, all you can do is vote, all you can do is vote" over and over right. and over again. Uh, and uh, I, I, you know, it makes me not want to talk about uh, the election anymore at all when I finally have someone on the phone who who gets it <laughs> that that, <laughs> that actually changing things requires a a nonviolent mass movement that we aren't. Going Going to just vote change in place, um, it, it, but I think that you know the other reason I uh, I have trouble with this with this lesser evilism that that <laughs> Obama really seems to have have put a stake through the heart of with his Supreme Court pick uh, it, it is that every four or eight years that goes by. The better choice of the two is more evil than the evil choice was four or eight yes. years ago, uh, and we had to vote less evil because of how evil that person was, and now we have to vote less evil when the person we're voting for is even more evil than than the than, <laughs> than the demon of of eight or twelve years before. Oh.
1: I know, I know. It just gets it gets worse and and worse and worse. We have a our current uh, president who has. Um, Bailed out the banks, the banks that created so much misery. Which first Bill Clinton? Uh, let's talk about him and the role he played, getting uh, rid of the Glass-Steagall Act and and just giving the banks, the financial service industry, free reign um, to to destroy the economy in this world, in this country, and around the world. So then we're left with that legacy when the uh, the bubble finally popped, and Obama bailed them out. Uh, as for on foreign policy, uh... obama's more dangerous, I think, than any Republican. The Obama doctrine basically means don't send U.S. troops abroad, but it means intervene everywhere. It's it's imperialism, imperialism without sending U.S. troops anywhere. So you can destroy Libya. So you can try to destroy Syria. So you can uh, make Russia an enemy when uh, you don't need to uh, make Russia an enemy to impose sanctions to. Uh, uh, wage war by uh, other means. Finally, turned the corner with Iran, but that was because the Europeans said they weren't going to go along with sanctions uh, any longer. So his it hand was forced. But uh, uh, so every president gets, yeah, gets worse. So no one ever turns the clock uh, away from uh, clock back from imperialism, from neoliberalism. It's all about. Uh, giving rich people more and more and more, not doing anything for working people. You know, the first two years Obama was in office, Democrats controlled both houses of Congress. Did they raise the minimum wage significantly? No. So now they talk about raising the minimum wage all the time. Now that Republicans control Congress, and they can't do it. Um, But when they had the chance to make a significant increase in the minimum wage, they didn't. So everyone's talking about this, you know, uh fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage increase in California, but it, it takes six years to go into effect. By the time it's fifteen dollars an hour, you know, inflation will have made the fifteen dollars, you know, worth no more than thirty dollars or something. So um uh yeah. so they when when they are in power they don't do what we want. We don't have card check. We were supposed to have card check. It was going to make it easier for people to unionize.
0: Right, the Employee Um, Free Choice Act of uh, the campaign of 2008.
1: Exactly. Um, Abortion rights. The Democrats either can't or don't seem to be interested in winning in state legislatures across the country. So abortion rights are eroded further and further and further every year. Um, Defunding Planned Parenthood. I don't know how many states now that has happened in. So uh, I don't see the gains that we are supposed to get. Um, uh, Democrats just, and they also use the Republicans um, to, to try to keep people quiet. And now there's this, uh, I, I'm going to call it propaganda, that Obama's the best president ever. He's the greatest president ever. Don't you think he's the greatest president ever? And that's supposed to shut us up now. From through now and until January 20th when he leaves office, and to uh, uh, keep us in the thrall of uh, uh, the next Democratic president, or even from Democrats in the opposition, not to ask for too much to be quote-unquote realistic. So I think the Supreme Court is among uh, the issues that, um, uh, that have proven to me it's time to, to start over. And, you know, people keep I hear from time to time, we need a third party, we need a third party. Well, we have third parties now. We have third and fourth and fifth parties. So you can vote for one of those that exists already. And I think this wistful we need a third party, like as if someone's going to bestow a party upon you um, instead of taking the, the reins ourselves, and if we are going to vote, stop voting for the Democrats, and to talk about action away from uh, electoral politics, Keeps that from being kind of a, uh, I think, from frankly, it's a fantasy, even by people who say that's something that they want to see.
0: Yeah, we're we're speaking with Margaret Kimberly from Black Agenda Report and FreedomRider.blogspot.com. I I think my I think you make a very important point about how Democrats talk about progressive initiatives when they're in the minority. Uh, And then when they get the majority, don't act on it uh, because it's just something to campaign on rather than something to do. And my favorite was back in 2006 when the Democrats were elected to a majority in Congress uh, overwhelmingly on the issue of the Iraq War. And Rahm Emanuel said, we're going to keep it going so that we can run against it again in two years. Uh, I mean, just openly, uh, openly... Well, he was
1: even more cynical. He... um... Raised money uh, to t- try to defeat anti-war Democrats in primaries.
0: Oh, that's right. <laughs> <And> yeah, <laughs> K- keep <laughs> the war going and and elect pro-war Democrats. Yeah,
1: exactly. So what? you know he's a you know a real piece of crap, but uh, you know not to be put too fine a point on it. But uh, but yeah, that's you know the the cynicism is just breathtaking. They use they know what we want. They know what we would like to see. And they pretend to give it to us and then, you know, find always find a reason to snatch it away. And uh, the Republicans moving, I, you know, I say now that we have a far-right party and a center-right party. Um, and uh, by moving further and further to the right, it's easy for Democrats to hold up Republicans. I have joked sometimes that Obama pays the Republicans to say terrible things about him, to, you know, say he's not an American citizen, he's a Muslim, he's a Muslim socialist Marxist Hitler, he's you know, whatever yeah. number of names they, they call him, in the disrespect I, I've, I've said that, you know, he pays the Republicans, because that's another thing that keeps Democrats in line, too. Oh, they've treated him so terribly, they're so awful, they don't give him credit for anything, and um, so I think that all works, frankly, to his advantage.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very important point. I had on this show last week an author named Erin Aubrey Kaplan, whose book was called I Heart Obama, uh, and was pretty much a love letter to President Obama about how she and other African Americans just love him no matter what. Uh, And uh, she sort of talked about how she had all this great hope, how he would be a bringer of progressive change, uh, who knows why people had this hope for him, and then was disappointed, but was outraged that anyone would voice that sort of disappointment in public, you know, as if you're supposed to lobby politicians in private somehow. Uh, and, <laughs> but then, whenever, you know, Obama fails to do anything, she blames the lack of public movement, of, of a public... Uh, pressure moving him to do things for his lack of action. And so I asked her how, under this sort of uh, regime of excuses for President Obama, could he ever have done anything wrong, uh, and she had no answer, you know.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, it's like, somebody described it to me this way once, it's like in our personal relationship, that, that you know, it never works out when you tell someone not to love somebody, that never <laughs> That never ever worked out, and I think it's the same thing with him. But I think we, you know, even in political activity, Americans have been very depoliticized, and it's basically about getting having somebody you like. Um, for uh, a lot of Black people, seeing a Black president, something that was always debated: would, could a Black person ever be elected? You know, Colin Powell almost ran for president. Could it happen? Could it happen? Could it happen? And then it does happen. Um, and the degree of pride is—it's—I I get it. I understand where it comes from, but um, there there comes a point with this—you know—this unrequited love. It's just embarrassing to me. I, I think people ought to be embarrassed. I mean, the Republicans do help them out, but I think there's a level of um, not non-political, just fantasy, and wanting somebody. That you like, and just loving somebody, having someone in in a position of power that you can admire, um, I think that's mm-hmm. part of the appeal of Bernie Sanders. Frankly, I don't think he's um, he's definitely not a socialist. He's just an old school Democrat. He's the way most Democrats were fifty years ago, right? Um, and that's you know, and that's not a bad thing. But it's not being a socialist and uh Hillary Clinton being on the wrong side of so many issues and um being uh so obvious in her, you know, her wickedness, I'll I'll call it that, um makes it makes it easier for him to get more credit I think than he deserves. And I'm not saying people should not back him if they if they want to, but um they, people have found someone to love. And, it's, and over the weekend, when, you know, the bird landed on the podium, and people just lost it, and I was like, folks, really? Yeah,
0: Sometimes yeah. birds." Fly <laughs>
1: like, I <laughs> mean, it was a lovely moment. It was a, you know, a memorable moment, and it was kind of cute, but um, you know, people started to, you know, almost worship him, and um, there is a desire for change, but it's not going to come from looking for a Hoping for a better democrat and look looking for somebody you like you can like more. Because in the substance is his um, domestic policy is better. His foreign policy is not that much different. He hasn't said anything about not intervening. He hasn't said he's gonna end drone wars. He when he talks about Russia he says we've got to contain Putin. I don't know why Putin has to be contained. Putin hasn't done anything to the United States. So, um, But, but you know, it goes on. Every four years, the search for somebody who, uh, you know, can be liked more than the last person.
0: Well, let's let's put our minutes where our mouths are, and understanding that elections are not the most important, much less the be-all and end-all of social change. Uh, UNAC, the United National Anti-War Coalition, uh, organized a peace rally in New York uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, yeah. because uh, the issue of peace and demilitarization just wasn't there in the in the presidential election entertainment. Um, what, what was that about, and how did it go, and, and what happened?
1: Well, we, um, yeah, they, you know, if you, if you listen to the debates, uh, there seems to be no, there's some nuances, but not much difference in foreign policy among Democrats and Republicans, except for Donald Trump, who, you know, said he wouldn't have <laughs> invaded Iraq or killed Muammar Gaddafi. But at any rate, uh, no, dis- got very little discussion of foreign policy at all. And uh, all of the uh, candidates saying pretty much the same thing, Uh, we at UNAC, um, which is an umbrella organization, it's a coalition of other groups, uh, International Action Center, Vets for Peace, People's Organization for Progress, Black Agenda Report is a member. Um, We uh, uh, realize that we, and it's something we always do, but that this was a perfect moment to be very public, in uh, our um, opposition to U.S. foreign policy, and uh, we had a you know old-fashioned rally in March. We started at 34th Street and uh, um, marched to the UN. We originally, we was going to start at the UN, but we realized that's a dead space. Nobody would just be us and our ten best friends. So there we were at Midtown, Man- Midtown Manhattan on 34th Street, right across from Macy's, and we got uh, several hundred people. I'd say 500 uh, people there. a uh, Great list of speakers, um, my, myself and and uh, many others. But it's the, the kind of thing that I like to do. It's you know putting my money where my mouth is, so to speak, to be very public um, uh, about what we need in this country. And I, I think it's a star, It can be a starting point in uh, changing minds. You know there. I think there are a lot of people who know things need to change, but they don't, they don't know exactly what. Nobody tells them. And uh, to hear people say, no, we, we should not have wars. No, the United States has no business choosing a government for Syria. Uh, the United States has no business trying to uh, put Ukraine in the Western uh, um, sphere of influence and uh, uh, antagonizing Russia. Uh, there's no reason to have sanctions against Venezuela. We should it should not be sending drones to kill people in you know fill in the blanks Somalia, Iraq, pa- Pakistan, um, and to talk about the you know this uh, now it's a week ago the terror attacks in uh, in Belgium. Well, this happens because there's anger, and I'm not tr- justifying uh, anybody being blown up in an airport, but. Uh, This happens because there's anger about Western foreign policy, U.S. and NATO foreign policy. So uh, it's important, it's very important to take and make, to make opportunities to be public uh, about uh, the changes we would like to see in this country. I think we've seen um, that that is still the way to go, the Occupy movement, which was unfortunately short-lived, but I think that proved there is still an appetite for mass action, and uh, I think there's enough dissatisfaction um for people to be to be moved by uh, uh by the sight of seeing people saying publicly, "Wait a minute, we don't have to go this way. This is the way we could we can go and uh there there's so many people who just don't know that there's any alternative in our you know our media, the corporate media the reporting is so horrible. It's um, Even if you want to know what's going on in the world, it's, you, you're not going to find out reading the New York Times and the Washington Post. Uh, this past weekend, it was huge. Uh, Syria, with the help of uh, Russia, is continuing to push ISIS out of Syria and captured the ancient city of uh, Palmyra. And the New York Times keeps going on and on about antiquities, which I'm not unmindful about antiquities. But anything other than giving... Uh, Russia credit Um, Putin has said over and over again there should be an alliance to fight terrorism and he has said that the West has no business deciding who runs Syria so this was a huge turn of events but it's you know it's as if it, it didn't happen it's you know right down the memory hole but uh, but the more people speak out in uh, whatever ways we can, the more we can uh, move that needle and give people information that they need.
0: Margaret, with about two minutes left, this raises a, an interesting question. I watched part of the video of the rally that UNAC had in New York, and I recommend it to people, and I watched your speech, and I watched Deborah Sweet's speech, my good friend, uh, Deborah Sweet, and uh, and I noticed that you said, we're always against war, and I don't know exactly what you meant by that. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but Deborah got up there and opened her speech by saying, "Now I'm not one of these people who's against all wars," uh, and you know I I heard you mention a second ago giving Putin credit, uh, mm-hmm. presumably for waging war in Syria in a better way than the United States is waging war in Syria. Are are we against all wars?
1: Well, I should say this: I'm against U.S. intervention. I'm in favor of every. Sovereign nation being able to make its own decisions. Um, I'm opposed to one country um, making, forcing another country to do uh, a certain thing or to tell a foreign leader, you have to go, or to, to, as in Libya and in Syria, to back certain people to overthrow a sovereign government. It's not America's business who runs Syria.
0: Is it Russia? Syria has
1: a right to to fight back and to ask for help. So, in when Syria actually, it's Russia that is within the bounds of international law, not the United States. Uh, The government asked Russia to help. Um, Syria had been invaded by foreign armies, uh, by terrorists backed by the U.S., Saudi Arabia, Turkey, the other uh, Gulf monarchs, other NATO nations. And um, they have a right to say that we want help. And when we look at Syria, we look at this horrible, this country that's been destroyed, uh, something like nine million people displaced, a half million people dead. It's all because of the United States and its allies. All those people could be in their homes. No one would be starving if the United States hadn't decided that it could take out another regime and exact Regime change. So I would, pref- my preference would be for there to be no war in Syria. But I think it would be very dangerous if the United States um, just gets to do what it wants without any uh, opposition, without any resistance. And they were able to crush resistance in Libya, unfortunately, which brought us ISIS. Gave ISIS a, um, you know, now Libya is like ISIS HQ. But uh, Iraq. Libya, all of America's interventions are responsible for um, ISIS getting a foothold in those places. So I, I suppose it's, um, I, I can correct myself and say that I'm never against war, I'm against interventions of one country by another, but I, I am in favor of the attacked nation being able to defend
0: itself or ask others for help. Well, I'm very much with you as far as that goes, and uh, we could go on, but we've run out of time. Margaret Kimberly, read her writing at blackagendareport.com and freedomwriter.blogspot.com. Margaret, thanks for coming on Talk Nation Radio.
1: Thank you so
0: much. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. I'm traveling around the United States right now doing events with my new book, War is a Lie, second edition. I hope to see you find the schedule of events at warisalie.org. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org.